Welcome to the Awake Space Astrology Podcast. I'm Lori Rivers with you, here to help you with some inspiration to get those aspirations out into the world. And I am really excited about this episode. I think I've recorded the introduction like 16 times because I want it to feel just right. It was my honor and pleasure to have a wonderful spiritual teacher and mentor here on the podcast. His name is Asanabe, and he teaches about the seventh fire prophecy. I can talk tonight. And uh, we just had a really wonderful interview, and it's going to cover two episodes. So you're going to hear the first part this week, and you're going to have to wait till next week for the rest of it. Um, So I I reached out to him. I'm a patron of his, and you'll find his Patreon linked in the bio, okay? Because I believe not only do I need supporters to help me do my work in the world, I like to support others doing good work in the world. We teach from different angles, but our purpose intersects very beautifully about creating a better future for all of humanity and recognizing and honoring the hurts and wounds and the destruction of the past while healing forward to build a better tomorrow together. And and we're not even close to building that tomorrow together just yet. Um, but one of our first steps is lifting up one another's voices. And I want to lift up off Asanabe because he is just he's just a profound, heartfelt teacher you know and a teacher can recognize a teacher when they see them so my uh, funny enough my mods and my astrologers all follow him as well and um, we we share a similar vision we talk about the second part of the interview um, so you'll hear that next week but um, but they have been begging me to get him on the podcast. And I was like, fine, I'll, I'll reach out. And I was so tickled when he agreed. So I think you're really going to love that interview. And I think it's very timely for this week's astrology on top of it, because we're moving into that big old Libra full moon on, on late April 5th on the West Coast Pacific time and early hours of the 6th on the East Coast. And it's more interesting what happens after that full moon happens. Now, remember, a moon stays in a phase for three days. And we're currently in the waxing gibbous as I record this. And it is a releasing energy. Things are up. The wounds are up. The injustices are up. They're up to be cleared so you can receive the harvest of the full moon. Okay. And... That's very relevant to the conversation we had in the interview. And uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you because I want you to hear it for yourself. And I'm going to remind you as we move forward with this podcast, before we even get to the interview, keep an open mind. Don't refute information because it's uncomfortable. Don't, Don't shut down because you feel corrected. Okay. We all have correction that comes to us. Not one of us is on a straight and narrow path without blame. Okay. This 
this is so important and it's so relevant to that big old Libra full moon, which I'll talk about in just a minute when we get into the podcast. Um, Beyond this that I am excited about, um, I'm also going to read some really good questions from patrons at at the end of the podcast during astrology Q&A. And as always, giving some patron shout outs because you guys support the podcast. All right, let's get on with the episode. So I'm not sure that you have been hearing about the eclipse that's going to happen um, on the 19th of April. 19th slash 20th, depends on where you are in the world. Australia. I know I've got listeners down under. If you are in the Australasia region, New Zealand, Micronesia, I want you guys to listen to me because nobody in the Northern Hemisphere needs to really think about the eclipse too much other than maybe treat a new moon a little more like a full moon as in do a releasing versus a planting. But heads up for you guys, that that eclipse is visible in the Australasia, Asia Pacific region. Um, and when it comes to eclipses, visibility is everything. And that's something I've noticed a lot of the pop astrologers missing on, other than their, don't do your manifestations. Like, um, you can't not manifest, guys. That's what humans do. We're co-creators. We co-create... Um, in lots of different ways. One of the ways we co-create is unintentionally. Our thoughts become things, okay? And I'm not saying you're manifesting all the horrible, icky things that have ever happened to you. You didn't deserve it. That's not how it works. People, I think, often deliberately misconstrue the teachings of some of the finest spiritual um, messengers of our time. Um, because they act like people are saying, no, a victim deserved it. And that is not how it works. However, frequency matches frequency. And that is one of the reasons why patriarchy has been so effective. Not only does patriarchy destroy and manipulate and and oppress people it trains them to oppress themselves because once you are used to a certain level of treatment and that is your baseline and your normal it is difficult not impossible to switch your attention and your focus in your to another frequency so frequency is a great word to use because it's like tuning um, to receive a better Wi-Fi signal. Okay, so sometimes you have to move the router around, right? Well, we have to move our attention around. The radio dial on an old radio, that would be a tuning dial, right? So we have to tune our frequency. You cannot go from severe oppression to abject liberation without some bumpy roads, okay? That's why change really doesn't happen quickly, nor should it, because we can't handle that, okay? As someone who healed from severe trauma, brutal trauma, trauma that laid out hardened professionals into puddles of tears, It took me, and is still taking me, 
time to live happy, to be at ease. I don't have any of the post-traumatic stress disorder that I had. I'm at zero clinical markers, but no one teaches you how to live healthily forward. So even for those people who have had abuse, once it stops, that doesn't mean the trauma is over. That's the PTSD. But once you heal that, like once you're no longer symptomatic, then it's no longer about coping with life. It's about thriving through life. We don't have roadmaps for that. We're building those roadmaps. I'm bringing all of this up to say that eclipse is at 29 degrees of Aries. Now it's an anoretic degree that makes it very powerful energy. I'm hoping it leans into the strategy side of Aries and not the combustible side of Aries, but it's an eclipse. So I'd, I want people down under to be very mindful and wary of natural events. That could be fires, bushfires, big lightning storms, um, potential cyclones, water spouts, earthquakes, volcanic action, fun stuff like that. Think Mordor, okay? Think Mordor. So um, those are all things to be on the lookout on a spiritual level, on an esoteric level, okay? This is a time to really work on releasing any kind of self-oppression. Releasing any kind of self-oppression. So if you talk poorly about yourself, if you call yourself a dummy or if you think you're stupid or if you think nobody's going to love me anyway because I'm worthless, all of that is called stinking thinking. And if you really want to set any kind of intention, now this is anywhere in the world, all right, and set intentions for, I'm willing to see myself in a new light. I'm wanting to be more aware of how I see myself because often we're seeing the reflection foisted upon us about ourselves. Okay. And we've taken the word and the vision of other over the wisdom and knowing of our own hearts. Okay. So what I really want you to do is set some really strong intentions for that new moon on April 20th in Australia. It'll be April 19th on the West Coast. That eclipse is at 29 degrees. It's a great time to blow through the self-imposed blocks and or the, the, the self-oppression, okay? If you think you're a broken man or a broken woman because of your history or your past or because somebody had you invested in purity culture or somebody had you saying penances or because you were living with shame, blame, guilt because you had addictions or because life was hard, you had to do some things that you're not quite proud about, it's time to let that go. Stop punishing yourself. The only person you ever need to worry about forgiving is yourself. And forgive. That means nothing to hang on to. Giving yourself some grace. Giving yourself some ease. All right. I say all of that because 
that is coming up in the mid-month, mid, late mid-month. This week, we have that big old full moon in Libra, okay? And we are looking at, um, we're looking at some big fiery energy with this. I know everybody's Libra is pleasant and it's, it's all about the balance. (laughs) It can be. I don't know. I have a Libra moon. I was not balanced. (laughs) In fact, I was way off of balance, especially as a young woman, my hormones. I mean, I had that extreme hormone sensitivity. Um, tack on to to that a lot of damage in the sacral and root chakra or energy centers um, because of abuse Uh, I was all over the place I was like a rubber ball bouncing all over the room okay so Libra energy is not about balance. It's about finding the balance. It's about striking the balance, about finding, you know, if something's off balance, you have to find its counterbalance, right? You have to find the other weight to it. Um, So Libra energy can swing all over the place. And this full moon is going to give us that because hours after the full moon, Okay, hours after the full moon, later into the 20th, that big old moon that'll be carrying all the energy of being full is going to be in opposition to Jupiter. (laughs) You guys know what it means when I laugh. If you're new, (laughs) when I do the chuckle, think of the Simpsons. I'm in danger. It's going to be obnoxious. Now, this is the mundane energy, okay? This isn't necessarily you. This is the political side. Because what's supposed to happen on the 4th, right? Um, Donald Trump is supposedly going to be arraigned. Now, I'm saying supposedly because the moon is void, of course, at 2.15 Eastern, which is the time they've set for the arraignment. Now they've cleared all the courthouses. They've got all the barricades. They have planned, I'm sure, for this, that, or the other. But, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of red hats. There's going to be a whole bunch of proud boys. Aren't they annoying? Oh, my God proud 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 of being stupid um although i understand the frustration i understand the fear in fact asanabe talks about that in the interview not about them but just why people fear um but you have to remember libra stands for justice and social justice and justice is subjective it's subjective guys um Justice is not a fact. It is that we all have a sense of justice. Um, So there will be people on all sides feeling like they're fighting for justice. I'm not saying anyone is correct or, you know, I can say I, I, I believe in my sense of justice. There are some wrong people. Um, I, for those who might be on a different political spectrum than me, um, just an FYI, there are Democrats I would like to see charged for crimes. 
Okay, if they've committed them and there is evidence and a grand jury were to indict them, I would like to see that happen. Okay, okay. I am not a partisan person. Couldn't care less about political parties because they all using us. Okay, so don't go at me. However, however, Donald Trump was never anyone poor's friend. He did not care about the average American, and he doesn't even understand the Constitution, okay? He was all for getting his way and being exploitative, all right? He's been gross forever, okay? Just saying. And if you've been drinking out of lead pipes, you might want to make a check on that, okay? Do a lead pipe check. Roll your dice. All right. I digress. Let's get back to this. So on a mundane level, um, I'm not sure he does get arraigned on Tuesday. Please don't freak out. Just don't. I don't want to hear, oh no, he's not going to face any consequences. Yeah, yeah, he will. The moon is void, of course, at 2.15 p.m. Eastern. So there will maybe a delay of some kind. He will be arraigned by Thursday. He will be arraigned by Thursday. Now, let's just say for, I don't know, whatever sake, let's say he's a flight risk. <laughs> let's say he decides not to show up on Tuesday. Maybe he's like, they're not going to take me alive. Um, he might be wrestled to the ground on Thursday because um, that full moon is not a pleasant experience for Donald Trump. Okay. It, it just isn't. So rest assured, he will face consequence. But um, how that plays out could be very interesting. So I'm not expecting anything to go cut and dry this week because um, a couple hours after the time of the supposed arraignment, the moon trines off of Pluto and Aquarius as it hits zero degrees Libra. And it's going to be a little wild and wacky. And I might be too, because that's when the moon will contact my Uranus and Jupiter. You know what happens when that happens. I get all feisty on my live streams. So I'll make sure I go live because I'll probably be yelling at people at that point again. Um, that's where I get all revolutionary and I lean into my French heritage. Um, but yeah. So what will this mean for you? Now, I went into this in depth in the full moon workshop slash ceremony called By the Light of the Moon. I do these every single month. You can find them um, on my website under events by the light of the moon. Not only do I do like an overview of the politics and then I go house by house on, you know, in the astrology chart, how that might impact you as an individual at the personal, uh, personal level. I also do a channeled meditation. Yeah. I channel. I do. I've been a channeler since 2002. And I channel on this podcast all the time. Now, in the meditations, you can tell I'm channeling. You can't always tell I'm channeling when I'm teaching other classes or what have you. I, I allow the, the camouflage of... of camouflage of my personality to kind of fall away so that you it, it's just a little more intense experience um, I don't know why 
I've had this feeling that I'd be weirder if I was open about being a channeler and energy worker than I would be as an astrologer. <laughs> I don't know why that seems so much weirder. Um, I think it is because I am very, very dedicated to the cause of humanity and being human. And it's so easy for people to give their power away. I don't want you to give your power to me or any energy that expresses itself through me. You know, all human beings can connect with universal intelligence. All human beings can connect to the natural world around them. You know, how you do that takes practice and training sometimes or um, at least dedication and a, a building of awareness and often studying with many more than one teacher that's that's um, something that's very important that's that's why I encourage my astrologers to study as much as they can from as many different angles because that's what makes you a good astrologer and to be honest, even though in the modern era, um, people will say, well, astrology is just an analytical process, you know, and it is, it's, it's full of um, what we call higher mind activity because it's analytical, not, not analytical as in engineering, but you have to know a lot about a lot of different things while working within a framework, okay, a system. And you have to be able to think both um, in broad and very narrow terms in order to synthesize all of the information. And I've, I've always wanted to show what it's like inside my head. <laughs> because it's like a heads-up display. So anyway, all of that to say, um, there's a lot that each one of us is going to be going through over the next few years. These lunations that we've got coming month after month, the eclipse season that's coming up, the first eclipse being the solar on the 20th, and then we have the May 5th, 6th um, lunar eclipse, which coincides with the, with the coronation of King Charles, which is a really bad chart, and well, good luck, Charlie. <laughs> You're gonna. You may not last so long, given that chart. Um, I don't think an astrologer chose it. I know I would have looked at that date and gone, "Oh, sir, um, you might want to reconsider." <laughs> There's better days, um, but anyway. I'm not a fan of the royal family, so of any royal family. So I don't know why Americans are so fascinated by British royalty. Um, <laughs> but maybe, maybe you didn't have people who fought in the revolution. I, I don't know. Um, I just like no, no. And like I said earlier, I think we are witnessing the crumbling of the British Empire, and it will. I think the Commonwealth will start breaking off. I think the monarchies um, on its last legs, um, and kind of confirming with that with with good old King Charlie. 
Um, having not a great run after that coronation, Prince William had the uh, new moon eclipse, uh, the Scorpio solar eclipse, on his midhaven last fall. So, mm, yeah, I think somebody's ascending sooner than later. So, oh, I would say Bonnie, Prince Charlie, but there ain't much Bonnie about that man. He's gonna, mm. but again, what I, I kind of I don't have any preference on any of them, you know. Ooh, privilege, exploitation, living on the blood and sacrifice of millions of people all over the all over the world throughout history. But look at them do their charitable giving. Oh, yeah, you can tell I'm I'm a Moon and Libra person. This is. Uh, this full moon is happening right before my lunar return. <laughs> so I'm starting to feel it. Um, it's important that when we get a sense of justice and notice how it distracted me from what I was saying here on the podcast, that deep sense of justice, that need for revenge, that need to get even, man, it's a hard one. And it can be generational. It can be... Um, through generational trauma, it could be from this life trauma, it could be past life trauma. There's, you know, come on, we're in physical bodies, we experience stuff. We don't come here picking out our traumas, but we know when we enter the physical realm, we will experience a fair amount because that's part of it. That's part of life. Um, everybody who thinks that, you know, nature, nature is, I don't believe nature is inheritably competitive. However, I've spent a lot of time in forests and, you know, life and death is not viewed the same by nature. It is, it is a cycle. Okay. It's the circle of life. Right. It is not, it is not considered devastation. It is considered part of a continuum. Okay. By nature just like the universe doesn't sit and keep score of everything you do in life you did this good you did that bad it's about there's logical consequences okay but the universe doesn't really give a shit if you cheated on your math test the universe doesn't give a shit if you thought impure thoughts it doesn't it doesn't care about that it cares about unfolding experiences but it doesn't care about all the things we humans care about and every single interpretation including mine of um, morality is through a human interpretation okay so even when i'm channeling the words that come out of my mouth are an interpretation of energy that is coming in blocks of thought that is translated by my noodle, the gray matter, my brain, and the most appropriate appropriate words in the moment are chosen. Okay, from my range of experience, that same energy was flowing and available to every single person involved in the meditation and every single person had a unique and individual experience 
And if you were part of that meditation, then remember that you were even guided to understand there wasn't a wrong way to experience that. Okay. Because you have your own lens. And because we are so very creative as human beings and we can co-create with one another, we have to remember that when we get up in arms and deeply passionate about something, it can often be something that is a look over here energy to our chosen path. So on a personal level, this Libra moon is helping to show you where you are imbalanced or out of balance in some way and where you can bring it to balance. It will illuminate it'll illuminate where you have done the work and and you can receive the benefit of being measured in your responses. You will benefit from um you're weighing and measuring your responses in life. Okay. Whereas if you've been reacting all over the place, it's going to illuminate what is out of balance. And either way, it's okay. How else do we learn? But through experience. Um, so if it's hitting your first house, this is all about self um, understanding our idea, our I amness, a new, you'll be illuminated in your understanding of self or even how you put yourself out there. And you may have a new way of um, asserting yourself. If it's in the second house, you're looking about your inherent value and how you bring security to yourself or allow it in more like, okay, how you allow that which sustains you to come to you, okay. That there may be an opportunity illuminated. You may also see where you push opportunity away. If you get an opportunity, say yes. Okay. Uh, third house is all about um, self-expression. Okay. As far as, well, not self-expression, but your, your voice, your truth, speaking your ideas and ideals. And also watch out for driving. Um, if you're an imbalanced driver, you'll find out, um, you'll want to consider your speech, but you'll certainly have a lot to say. Just rem remind yourself, ask yourself, what outcome do I seek before I speak? Uh, fourth house, you will have your home illuminated and your home could be an interior home and an inside home, or it could be the physical house in which you live. It could be to, you might be looking at past childhood issues. You may have a benefit from, from a family member. You may have a resolution to a problem. You might decide to redecorate or shift your furniture around. Okay. Fifth house is creative self-expression. All human beings create. Remember, the sun doesn't shine to be seen. It shines because that is what it does. And so um, you may be feeling very creative and you may have an opportunity to collaborate with, with your friends or other people. Um, you, you may actually just collaborate with nature or co-create with nature and do something interesting that way. If the moon, it's a full moon and Libra is falling in your sixth house, you're, you're definitely going to have a benefit um, in changing the environment in which you work. If you're in a toxic environment, um, that may change that day or you may gain a new teammate or one of those teammates that you didn't like very much may go away. 
that's always a banner day, isn't it? Um, we can be spiritual and loving and still have our preference on who we want to hang out with. For real. We can love someone's humanity and go, you know what? I don't gel with them. It's okay. We don't have to be friends with everybody. All right. Some people, as my former mother-in-law used to say, their blood doesn't mix. And, and that's all right. It's okay to recognize we think some people are jerks. I mean, I know not everybody likes me. And as the true Cancerian that I am, I'm going to say I'm not here to be everybody's little freaking friend either. Okay. If you love me and like me, I appreciate it. If you don't like me and you think I stink like a fart, okay, fair enough. That's okay. You don't have to like me. And um, I'm not cut up. I'm not going to cry. So anyway, if it's in the sixth house... Um, this you'll be reordering your daily life and and the team in which you work. And if you've been in a toxic environment, then things make clear so that you're in a better space. Um, seventh house, your agreements and your contracts will can, are more easily rene renegotiated. Um, it does not mean that a partner will go away or show up, but you could get a new client. Um, you might have again an agreement. Um, solidified and if you've been having trouble in your relationship then um, if you guys have done the work that is going to be illuminated if you haven't that's going to be illuminated if things are tense or if you're in a situation where there's abuse of any kind then um, do be mindful with that full moon if it's in your seventh house the eighth house um, that could be a very healing moment where you find solutions to some of the healing um, you've been seeking. It might be a time where you have um, grief up on deck to be reviewed again. Remember, we only grieve as deep as we love. Um, so I'm not diminishing the experience, my friends. I'm just letting you know it, it's part of life. It's part of life. Um, ninth house is expanding experiences and... Um, we all go on journeys. That's where we, you know, kind of our wisdom kind of comes out of the grit and the grind of the eighth. And we go off on journeys to gain more experiences using the wisdom we've gained in the eighth house. Um, and um, ninth house, you could be working on a pitch, marketing, telling a story, sharing a story, getting trained, offering training, teaching, preaching energy. If you are traveling long distance, be aware you might have um, some delays. Uh, on the t If it's in the 10th house, um, your reputation is up on deck and, and you may uh, solve a problem that's been kind of um, rubbing up against you. you like the, the, if somebody's been besmirching your reputation or slandering you, there'll be a solution to that. And then if you, um, and it could be that if you've had, um, that if you're asserting your authority, you'll actually be listened to. 11th house is groups and networks, cohorts, hope streams, inspiration, aspiration. And um, so you may be very social that day. You may be looking at your community work. You may be um, moving forward with collaborators that day. You may be invited to something that day. 
if you are a what let's say 12th house your your intuition has probably just really been spiking it will continue to spike through the full moon if you have interesting dreams or impressions or um just interesting thoughts that pop into your head remember intuition doesn't have like a fear or a, a chilling response that's our instinct you know where your stomach glitches but um our intuition is more like um blocks of thought you know just or an inkling or you know like oh i should go call so and so and you dial the number and they pick up or um you're walking down the road and you're thinking about butterflies and all of a sudden butterflies show up you know that that that's what your intuition is that should be um heightened during that transit and don't freak out it's it really isn't superhuman. It is how we're designed. We are all designed to be connected with our creator. Okay. With the all that is. And some people call it source. Okay. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Um, and all of creation is interconnected. We know that from a quantum level. We are all made of stardust, my friends. All right. So that's what's going to go on with the full moon. Um, we're going to do some patron shout outs next. Then we're going to listen to the interview with Asanabe. And then I'm going to wind the podcast up with, yeah, you guessed it, astrology Q&A. It's time for my favorite part of the podcast. Without you, there is no me, no podcast. I want to thank every single patron for supporting the Awake Space Astrology podcast and for your participation in the Discord, all your wonderful questions, the opportunity to teach and share my brand of astrology. It is a traditionally based technique. Okay. So I didn't change up technique. What I change up is interpretation because how we interpret shapes our reality. And we can use astrology as an excuse to remain static and and just continue to degrade in our life that that my normal sucks so it's always going to suck it's never going to get better i'm always going to be this way and my chart says so okay and that is what a lot of what people call traditional astrology you know it's not really traditional astrology the hellenistic astrology is a modern interpretation of old techniques found in scrolls but remember we don't speak the language even if you could interpret it we don't live in that time today and so it's our best guess and we know you know a fair amount about how did they did things but also it was the time of patriarchy and it getting rooted deeply and it expanded throughout Europe and and we became very Martian focused. We skipped over Mercury, skipped over Venus and went straight to conquest, conquering, fighting the lowest vibration of Mars because Mars and its higher vibrations is nothing to do with that. 
It is a strategic, transformative, alchemical energy. Ma, yeah, because Pluto wasn't active in our consciousness until 1930. So Mars also represents alchemy, and it's it's more of the trial by fire <laughs> than the the unfolding of consciousness that Pluto holds.、Um, But anyway,、uh, my brand of astrology—I like to call it progressive evolutionary astrology—and I teach applied astrology. This podcast is all about applied astrology. It's about using the knowledge for practical application. So, without my patrons, by golly, where would I be?、Um, so, thank you. All of you,、um, planet of the month is looking at Venus. You still have time to get in on that. We have two two workshops that are live, and they will be recorded just in case you can't make it, or in case you join later in the you know the process.、Um, so the first of the two workshops is tomorrow, April or today. April third, as this is when the video is coming out,、um, and it's also past midnight, so it's April third now.、Um, and the next will be Sunday, the ninth, because Venus has been given short shrift, and we're gonna do some liberation astrology. So, without further ado, let's thank our newest patrons. We have Brooke, Adele. And I've been so excited about this one, Steve of Finland,、uh, Evie, Emmy Hurst, Brooke B, Jess, Jana M, Angela P, Carrie, Cat J, Elizabeth P, Anonymous, Lori, Marissa, Candice, Carly, Maria, Sarah, Elena, Ginger Gypsy. Kim T,、um, Martin's at times two. Alexa R, Tessa C, Tammy P, Haley M, Alex the Leo, Rin R, Marianne O, Tammy, Rachel A, Robert, Michelle, Stephanie, Rachel N, Amy, Marcy, Tatiana. Kawani, thirty-three. Sylvia H. Sabrina S. Nora A. Olivia, Patrick, Madeline C. Mar F. Abigail K. Kathy M. Agnes S. Emma, Shrigley, Kija. Wow! Thank you so much. For being patrons,、um, we are working on reaching our 1,000 member or 1,000 patrons. Because remember, this isn't really a membership; this is a patronage. And the perks you get happen to be things like education and discounts and all sorts of cool stuff.、Um, I do that because I truly, truly appreciate you, and it's my mission to get. Um, a, a, a different kind of astrology out into the world, a different kind of knowledge base. Because I, again, I see astrology used.、Um, I see astrology used to defend bad habits, bad attitudes, 
um, sucky life situations, um, to continue a victim mentality, which isn't to say you you aren't justified in having been victimized, but if, if you are going to live in that space, it's miserable. I know I got stuck there for a while. I think it's natural to have it happen. Um, it, it, and it's part of the healing journey, but it doesn't give you any forward moment movement and we are living in such times my friends that it is so important that you you really learn what is the best of yourself and this isn't glossing over anything this isn't about pretending you're perfect it's about leaning into resiliency which is the ability to bounce back and adapt in the face of challenging circumstances okay it's understanding you don't have to be a paragon of virtue. It, it, it's understanding you don't have to be, um, you know, pure in any way. It, it's and understanding you you have the ability to heal. We do, we do. Trauma does cause brain damage. Healing actually repairs the brain because we are designed to heal right if you are in planet of the month go into the mercury um i think it's in the discussions i put in the link to dr jill bolte taylor's video on the neuroanatomy of the teenage brain um, it explains all about neuroplasticity and how we do not have to remain reactive, that we have 90 seconds to allow emotions to wash through us, those strong emotions like anger and hate and fear. Is it easy? No. Is it worth it? Hell yeah, it is. Um, ask me how. So. I'm going to bang that drum. I'm going to ring the times. I'm going to thump the hammer <laughs> because it's important, friends. All right. Speaking of teachings and healings, up next, someone I patronize, and I don't mean patronize, but I am a patron of, um, someone I respect and 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 just am happy that they are in this world teaching asanabe is up next all right i have that very special guest i've been promising he is an amazing teacher of of uh, the seventh fire prophecy. He goes by Asanabe on TikTok, and his name is Eret Laframboise. Welcome, Everett. Or do you Hello. prefer to go? Yeah, do you prefer to go by Everett or Asanabe? Well, it depends on who you want to talk to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that as well. Um can you describe that for the listeners? So it depends on who you want to talk to. We're, we're very human. I always talk about that here on the podcast. And when we take a teaching stance, what happens for you as Asanabe? Well, Asanabe is actually, you know, my Indian name. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's why I, I put that as my TikTok because when I'm on there, you know, I'm going, I'm going by my spiritual stuff. You know yes. what I mean? 100%. It's like, it's like you, you grow up in the world and you learn all this knowledge. And then when you get on your, your path, a lot of things start happening and, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's, that's just where I get my name from. Asanabe is a rock man, and mm-hmm. so Asanabe is a teacher and a healer in the legends. And then, you know, my name is actually named after one of these legendary figures in our legends. That's beautiful. So to be on the path, I think a lot of times when you look at the popular spirituality out there, they make it sound really bright and shiny. Um, as you're teaching, um, what are you hoping? First of all, well, I have a couple of questions. What led you to teach? And what is the core of your message? Well, I had a long, I had a long road. Okay. I that's 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 a long story mm-hmm. but i'll just say that when i finally got to the ceremonies and got my teachings had happen what happens out there um i recognized that the lack of teachers is one of the big problems with how our culture is I guess, you know, a lot of people think that our culture is dying and there's not a lot available as far as being able to learn and do things and stuff. And so I seen what I had to do. And then I spent a lot of time finding out from the people who know about these, about these teachings that I give. And so, you know, I get a lot of criticism because people think I'm giving away these super secret sacred teachings you know mm-hmm. and from the way i look at it there's a there's a lot of different there's a lot of layers to it mm-hmm. when people are talking about reconnecting and getting back to that whole part about it you know there's a lot of discussion on this idea of reconnecting and it's like reconnect to what what are you trying to reconnect to and so it's a whole different um, approach, I think, than a lot of people think. They think that, you know, like you said, you know, they think the spiritual path is all sunshine and rainbows, <laughs> or they think that it's just a little piece of information that they can just learn and then just, you know, integrate into their current reality. And then that's it. Kind of like when you mm-hmm. learn a new skill, like how to ski or something. Mm-hmm. Get and, that certification. <laughs> right. But it's, it's a whole, it's a whole different thing than that. And so really the way it is, is it's, there's layers to it. And the outermost layer, I think is just the basic four sacred medicines that I teach about using tobacco, sage, cedar, and sweetgrass the seven grandfather teachings and feasting the spirits. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's supposed to be common knowledge, 
-hmm. And people say, I'm not supposed to be teaching this or talking about this. But then I'll say that, well, in a perfect world, if the world was the way it's supposed to be, I wouldn't have to. Right. You know, like, and if this is my culture, then my culture is given as the original instructions for Turtle Island. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like if if things aren't the way they're supposed to be, then you might have to do some things you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And that is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about like smudging, you know, smudging is a huge topic. Some, you know, everybody has their opinion on what you mm-hmm. can do and how to do it and if you can do it and if you shouldn't mm-hmm. do it and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is, is that in most native cultures that I know of, especially mine, there is no specific sage teaching. There's no mm-hmm. part of the ceremony where they stop and they teach you about smudging and what you do with it and why you do it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, but it's integrated in everything. You go to a sweat lodge, they'll smudge you. You go to the Sundance, there'll be smudge going on all the time. Mm-hmm. You go to a pipe ceremony, people pass around the smudge, you know, and mm-hmm. and and there's no teaching about it. <laughs> and the reason for that i think is because it was such an ingrained part of our daily culture and life that it was just something we did it was like washing your face you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. it was just it was just normal and so mm-hmm. there's no spot in our culture or in our ceremonies where they actually teach about the smudging itself mm-hmm. and so i went out and i found out that I went to the people who know, I went to the medicine man, I went to these other people and I got the stories and the teachings behind the four medicines. And I view the teachings I give as like almost a prerequisite. People are like, why can't I find the ceremonies? Why can't I find the teachings? Why can't I, you know, get to that place? And I think it's just because of the negativity that builds up and the the perception of of what deity or thing that they're praying to if you will Mm -hmm. and it just creates this like the frequency doesn't match up if you will you know if we use that that but then when you start to smudge and you start to feast the spirits and you start to understand these different spirits of the land it starts to adjust your frequency Mm -hmm. and your inspiration for wanting to learn more of that and starts to match up those different coincidences that could lead to bringing you to the ceremony or something like that. Absolutely. And so I think that it's like, that's how I think of my teachings is, you know, this is all the stuff that our kids are supposed to know. And mm-hmm. then if I'm going to go that far, well, then it's actually all the people who walk on Turtle Island. This should be common knowledge, in my opinion, just as common knowledge as any major religion. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. You know what the Mm -hmm. Ten Commandments are. You know about Adam and Eve and you know about the flood and everything like that. Well, I feel like this information should at least be just as common knowledge as that information. Agreed. Agreed. So let's talk about Turtle Island for a moment, just for the listeners. Um now, my understanding is that represents Earth. However, Turtle Island is North America. North America. Okay. North America and it extends into Central America. Okay. And, and so, it's the landmass itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And what is your, I had a question from one of, um, one of the astrologers, Casey, she's also a big fan, um, loves your teaching. She's like, what is your vision for Turtle Island? To, to return spirituality to the land. And how do you hope to see that happen? So when everyone gets connected and they start on their spiritual path and they realize that it has to do with the natural world around them, mm-hmm. people's unique paths and spirits will connect to different spirits of the land. Okay. So if you think of an entire tribe, there will be some people whose spirit is the, of the wolf. Somebody will have the hummingbird. Somebody would have the, the owl. Somebody will have the fox. You know, everybody has their spiritual connections on the land. So when everybody was doing their ceremonies and feasting in the times where we do these things, you know, like there's a time in the spring and a time in the fall and and there's a, any, any time that you personally feel that that's what you need to do. So all of the spirits of these things in nature would all be getting fed. There'd be people feasting and doing ceremonies to the thunderbirds and the river and the bison and all of these different things that give us life. And so the spirits of those things are healthy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's where I'm thinking about this whole thing is that Everybody wants to say that it's because of the technology, mm-hmm. the way that they burn the fossil fuels and all this stuff that's destroying the environment. But I'm going to say that, you know, I think that modern day things can coexist with spirituality. Yeah. And really what's missing is the majority of people don't feast the spirits anymore. They actually feast the spirits of these corporations instead because of the disconnect from the spiritual world. And so when people are thinking about spending their whole day working for a factory for a paycheck, Mm -hmm. they're actually doing the ceremony by giving their life in exchange for this money. And Mm -hmm. that's doing a ceremony for the spirit of the corporation. And if the spirit of that factory or corporation is all about just growth and profit, then, then that's how it affects the the lives of the workers. Even that's why people don't like their jobs and they feel empty and used and they like, they're not getting paid enough when they go to work because it's this and and they don't realize that's what they're doing. They're being sacrificed. Yeah. I talk a lot about that too, in a different way. Different words, but same meaning. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and it's where people, you know, like, if you think about what is worship, mm-hmm. you know, what is it? It's it's what, something you, you dedicate your life and your energy and your life force to kind of like give something to it, you know? And you yes. think about how much worship, if you think of it that way, people who have full-time jobs at factories are like worshiping that in mm-hmm. a way. It's the intentionality uh, of the energy. Exactly. Yeah. It is. And that's, Mm -hmm. and that's the, uh, the depression that people feel, 
mm-hmm. the the mental health issues, the unhappiness, the mm-hmm. feeling like there's something wrong with the world that we got to change, you know, and they're like kind of stuck in there. And then that leads to addiction. People yes. will start going to the bar and yeah. doing other drugs and stuff to escape that reality. And then that turns into its own form of worship to these substances. Yes. You think about a bar, it's nothing really more than a church to the alcohol spirit, mm-hmm. where people all go to worship the alcohol spirit together mm-hmm. and do a ceremony for the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And they pray to the alcohol spirit, asking for a good time when they do their mm-hmm. toast. And because we live in this spiritual wasteland, people don't understand. They think that the they don't understand what's taking place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They've been robbed. And and that's what I mean, like, by talking about bringing the spirituality back to the land, okay? And people think that the apocalypse is coming. And I don't think the apocalypse is coming. I I think it's over, long Mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. I have this whole talk I do about colonization and how The colonization was the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The first horseman was conquest, and he was given dominion over like a quarter or a third of the world to do with what he wanted. And with conquest came pestilence. And Mm -hmm. everybody knows that the natives were wiped out by disease by conquerors who wanted to take their land. And that was like a third of the world's people at the time. And we continue through revelations, you know, and then conquest and pestilence are followed by famine and everywhere colonization went it caused famine in the natural world on massive wide scales. Yes. Every, every indigenous people all across the world, doesn't matter where they are in the world. They all have stories about their natural food sources that are no longer there. Yes. And the best example in America is the bison. Yeah. Okay. The prairie went from 40 million bison on the prairie to the dust bowl in like 50 years yeah. because of colonization. Yeah. And so then the next horsemen are war and death. Yeah. And so you think about the last four or 500 years on this land the apocalypse happened from the point of view of an indigenous person. Yes. Our world that we had before colonizers was the world that's supposed to be. We were living how humans were supposed to live and the land was the way the land was supposed to be. And now we are living in the post-apocalyptic wasteland in this, in this world where people are disconnected from their spirits and they spend their whole days doing things they hate so they can buy things they don't need. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So when we're talking about um, bringing people back to spirit and also being mindful of cultural appropriation, and I know you're getting pushback for your teachings, as you said, um, how can people who aren't indigenous to turtle island um be both mindful respectful and supportive well i asked about this too and 
The best answer I can give is that you're not really supposed to teach it. Mm -hmm. You know, like when people have their spiritual practices, your personal spiritual practice is supposed to be kind of private, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like if you're doing like smudging or putting out tobacco or doing your own feasting to your spirits and stuff like that, Mm-hmm. Like, don't make a TikTok video about it because you'll mm-hmm. just get called off for appropriation. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, in the 70s and 80s, especially like what I remember coming into the spiritual, quote unquote, world or community um, in, in like my late teens and early 20s, there were all these white dudes who took like Lakota names um, or whatever you know, but usually they were claiming Lakota practices and they were making bank on it, you know? And I think that's what people, that's what you're referring to. Like, don't do that. And, but how can we support our indigenous brothers and sisters um, in a meaningful way without being white saviors? Personally, I think the best way that all indigenous people could probably agree on is simply to educate about the history of what happened to indigenous people to Mm -hmm. each other without softening the blow yeah without whitewashing it so to speak yeah nobody knows about the residential schools okay nobody knows about that i cannot tell you how many people used to contact me. I'd get 150 messages from random people sometimes in a day after one of my videos was going viral about about the boarding schools or mm-hmm. about the doctrine of discovery and, and how mm-hmm. people do not know about this. And they had no idea that the boarding schools were the way they were or that they were even happening. You know, right. we are completely erased from the yeah. historical narrative that they teach And, you know, that brings the point of how Indigenous people actually experience racism, okay? Each marginalized group experiences racism in different ways. You know, if we're going to talk about the Black community, they experience racism on the color of their skin because of the history of slavery. Yes. Whereas the event that happened to indigenous people was literal physical erasure through genocide they literally tried to raise us off the land and now they keep us erased out of the narrative of history we have no representation we don't have any famous movie stars or singers or politicians or business people and so natives experience racism through erasure and Mm -hmm. invisibility like we're nowhere and so i think that's the best way is to just educate on basic american history because then it doesn't even have to be about the spiritual beliefs Mm -hmm. every person who lives on this land should want to know the real story and i do think that if i'm making a video on tiktok there's going to be some people who've never seen a real native before and i'm just going to trigger the historical inner colonizer within them and they're just Mm going to want to fight me so that's why i think that we do need white allies 
And I think this might be one of the tasks of the light skin race and the new people in the seventh fire also is to kind of spread that information among your own people and your own communities so 100%. that we don't have to do all that work. Right. I mean, right. if you look it all around TikTok, mm-hmm. if you look all around TikTok, almost every native creator spends almost all of their time trying to educate these edu- you know, these ignorant right. comments in their in their posts. And, right. And it's it's exhausting. Right. Right. It's so weird to me still. Like I'm like, wait, I already made a video that went viral about this last year. You didn't see that, you know? Right. I still right, get comments right. of people being like, Oh, you guys didn't even have the wheel, you know? And I'm like, I already explained uh, that video, you know. I, right. uh, and and a lot of the misunderstandings about it, you know, like they'll be like, Oh, natives they didn't even believe in land ownership. So we just had we're more advanced and that's why, you know, they did what they did. And the they don't understand this doctrine of discovery right. that the right. Pope just repudiated. Right. Earth-shaking. Right. Huge. Okay. Yeah, that was, I thought of you the minute I saw the news. I'm Nobody like, thinks wow. about why were all the natives just put on reservations, okay? Nobody right. thinks that natives can own their own land individually. Right. Yeah. You know why? Because the doctrine of discovery and this yeah. is written into American law that mm-hmm. says natives can only occupy the land like animals, like a deer occupies the forest, oh, how a deer God. can't own the land. And so they that's what they, they thought of natives. And that's why they basically rounded us up and just all put us on this land without thinking of any kind of individual ownership for us. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's... um how that happened and that's how that's actually ingrained in american policies to this day right and um we're going to take a break here in a minute but i just want to say to the listeners as i always say you cannot be apolitical and be spiritual at the same time we're in physical bodies for a reason and asanabi um is uh, listen just listen before you get reactive to it, okay? Even if your ancestors were colonizers, mine were too, okay? So this is how we clean that up. We listen. We'll be back in a minute. All right. So let's talk about that doctrine of discovery now that we're back. Um, We've got just about five more minutes in this episode. You talked a little bit about that. What, tell us a little bit more, like how significant is it that the papal bull was rescinded? Well, it wasn't exactly rescinded. Okay. The wording that they use is very carefully wording. The word they use is repudiated. So they're distancing themselves from it. Uh They're not going to the length where they're rescinding the entire thing. But Uh, basically, this was a papal bull that was formulated throughout the 1400s that basically stated that anyone not a Christian was, you know, a pagan or heathen or an enemy of Christ. Okay. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. this papal bull stated in to all of Christendom, it was officially actually given, okay, 
It was officially declared by the Pope in 1493, mm. right after Columbus came back and told him what he's seen over here. Okay. Mm. And he gave the doctrine of discovery, which was a declaration to all of Christendom that they can go into any lands not owned or occupied by Christians, mm -hmm. take all of their stuff and convert those people to their use and profit and turn them per into perpetual slaves. You know, I can't mm -hmm. memorize the exact word. Oh, yeah. Well, it's people easy can to Google. look up. Yeah, people can Google that. And uh. it's what gave them the God-given right to do what they did. When people are learning about the history of colonization and they're like, well, how could these people be so brutal? And they're like, oh, well, that's just the way the world was back then. And it's like, no, it was not. Mm -hmm. It was specifically made that way yes. by this doctrine of discovery because thou shall not kill, yes. thou shall not steal. Thou yes. shall not do these things to other women. Okay. Yes. Yes. But because the Pope said this, this is, I think, part of the, the repudiation that yes. he's talking about is that that they they twisted it, they corrupted mm -hmm. it to the maximum and used it as a tool, a weapon to dehumanize indigenous people. Yes. And that's what this you know, recent thing from the Pope just recently, just the other day said, you know, that the dehumanization of the indigenous people, he said, is not Catholic. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. And so the, the doctrine of discovery led to the idea of manifest destiny. Yeah, And so when we talk about even just the colonization of the United States, why did they have to go from sea to shining sea and get every single native? How come there mm -hmm. ain't no wild natives living on their land at yeah. all, anywhere? Right. Right. It's because the manifest destiny came yeah. from the doctrine of discovery, yeah. which dehumanized indigenous people. And that led to the policies in America that said that natives cannot own land they can only occupy land right. and so this was actually brought up in a supreme court case in the mid 50s i think mm -hmm. either the 1940s or the 1950s what happened is two people had the same deed to this this uh section of land that mm -hmm. was on a reservation a native had the title to the land and a white man who did not live on the reservation had the title to the land. Mm -hmm. One of them tried to sell it and the other one said, this is my land. And so the case went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court referenced the doctrine of discovery. Okay. And mm -hmm. said that the native didn't have the right to own the land. And so the white man with the title to the land got to sell it and get the money for it. Mm -hmm. And so like, these are still like being upheld, you know, it'd be nice and to so see that challenged on freedom of, of, well, then they, you didn't have freedom of religion, but I think we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but since the doctrine of discovery was Catholic, um, in specific, and there's many belief systems, it'd be nice to see that challenged. Well, I'm going to call this set to a, a pause because I want everyone to tune in next week for talking about um, the seventh fire prophecies. 
and what those mean. And, and um, when you talk about um, the role that um, people who have come from colonizers or those who didn't, but still live here and impact people and how we can support you. We'll talk about that next week. Um, so everybody tune in and follow Everett or Asanabe on TikTok. And you also have a Patreon, yes? I do. It's under the yeah. same name. Under the same name. I'm a member. My apprentices are members. Okay. This is important stuff, guys. There are many perspectives that lead to the same truth. There's many pathways that lead to the same truth, but you don't find it if you're just looking at baubles and shinies. Sometimes that truth is uncomfortable, but I love the way Asanabi beautifully describes very uncomfortable truths. And that is how we heal and grow. So tune in next week for the next um, next wonderful session with Asanabe. there'll be more from Asanabe next week when we do the uh, episode 16 and the second part of the interview um, frankly I could I could have tried to keep him here all day I think I wore him out um, but just I think his what he teaches is so important and I think it's so vital for each one of us to really notice where we become defensive okay and it can be in any subject matter where privilege is brought up okay where privilege is brought up so you know and where the past matters in the present and you can't tell people to just get over it okay you can't tell people to just get over it, but we can also facilitate healing. What we don't want to do as light-skinned people, as, as white people, is speak for people, okay? I'm not going to speak for Asanabe, but I will speak as a spiritual teacher of Western European ancestry, um, who uses, and granted, I've studied a myriad of modalities. I have and try to not include language that doesn't belong to us, you know, and to use Western metaphysical um, traditional teachings. And they're there. <laughs> I know the teachers showed up. Um, <clears throat> Things can intersect. Things can intersect. But what I can do is really remind you, whether we're talking about gender, whether we're talking about um, identity, whether we're speaking about economics, whether we're speaking about political parties, whether we're speaking about 
the tragedies of the past, the impact of all forms of dominance and control, which is abuse, a corrupt form of power, because remember, power actually doesn't corrupt absolutely. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's that's not power. That's dominance, dominionism. Okay. Real power is understanding your own role and your own vitality. Okay. But when people say, well, I never did that. My family were good people. That, that is the shadow of virtue. Okay. That is the shadow of virtue. I'm being good. We say that as kids, so we don't get in trouble. Okay. And it is driven by the fear of being seen as bad instead of meeting together as human to human. Okay. You don't need to speak for people. You don't need to speak on their behalf. You don't need to be performative in it. You don't need to show you're an ally. <clears throat> Pass somebody a mic. Let them speak. Elevate their message by sharing. Okay. And don't do it to exonerate yourself. Just do it because it needs to be done. All right. All right. Lecture over. So let's get to the astrology Q&A to wind up this episode. Um, I've got kind of a fun one. <laughs> We'd take a look at um, <laughs> what is moon sextile Jupiter? And is this good for winning the lottery? This was brought to us by um, uh, my family in 1999. Um, so, um, Moon sextile Jupiter tends to give you strong gut instinct. Okay. Strong gut instinct. Is it good for winning the lottery? Well, I'm afraid lottery wins are kind of complicated. And um, it does make you fortunate. It's not an unfortunate placement. So maybe you're good at winning raffles or you're good at finding things on sale. Maybe it depends on, you know, it's not just one kind of luck. And, and the lottery is a very specific kind of luck. Um, I'm a pretty accurate astrologer, guys. And, and I've, used, <laughs> I've used astrology one time to win um, more than two bucks in the lottery. I won 400 bucks. But I had a really specific transit and it very, and it's not just the transit itself. It's the placement of my Venus in my chart. So Venus plays a role. Jupiter plays a role. Uh, second and fifth house matters. 11th house matters in the eighth house. And there's, there's no one, there's no one transit or natal aspect that will be concurrent. We, we can look at lottery winners charts and there's not one thing that is like every time. Okay. Much like the lottery, because it's random, there was some kind of randomness at luck at play. So I wish, I wish I could help you with the lottery win. Um, but if, but I will say if you're a client 
and you're in a reading with me and you're in a transit reading and I say buy a lottery ticket I'm not kidding I've had clients win a couple hundred bucks um some people have found 20 bucks in their back pocket um you might find a cool shiny rock <laughs> you know treasure is relative folks um we got to stop thinking about there's only one way for things to come in there's many avenues for abundance to come into our life and we have to understand what that is and it's not making do but if you have an abundance of friends if you have a bumper crop of tomatoes if you are lucky at interviewing if you're fortunate in in being at the right place at the right time if you're really good at attracting the right teachers or community you are fortunate there are many ways for us to be fortunate in this life so thank you my family 1999 i know we have a reading coming up soon um <clears throat> let's see let me see what's next what other question am i going to answer here uh this is Okay. This is from Amelia. What is the significance of transits to the Midhaven, especially longer-term transits like Saturn and Pluto? Well, <clears throat> Saturn's not that long compared to Pluto. You know, Saturn moves through one sign every two and a half years. It doesn't last a full 3 years. Um, I know people are rounding up because they like to be dramatic, but um, Saturn lasts two and a half years in a sign. And so when Saturn hits the midhaven, it's it's you're getting logical consequence and you, you kind of reap what you sow when it comes to your reputation and your elevation in the world. Um, for some people, that could be a promotion or gaining your first big girl big boy job depending on what time of life it is it could be um gaining mastery it could also mean learning humility okay in the face of other it could mean some kind of suppression by an authority figure if you and it isn't a punishment Okay, it could be by society, it depends on life stage, it depends on your gender, it depends on what time of life it is. Um it could also be a time you dig down and build discipline to gain reputation later in life. Okay. So it just just depends. Um and it depends on other transits going on as well. Remember, one transit doesn't tell you the even half the story. So, yeah, Saturn hit your midhaven. What are, what is everything else doing in the chart? Um because that tells more of the story. There's a there's so much more to astrology than people want to make it be. Um Pluto is a considerably longer transit because it can spend as little as 11 years in a sign like it did in Sagittarius and as many years as 40 in a sign like it will do in Taurus. I I will not be alive for that. I won't be probably won't be alive for Pluto and Aries either. I might be, but I right out it. I'd be like 99 and I'm not convinced I want to be that old. Um Pluto can spend you know 2 3 years hovering around an angle um especially as it does its yearly 
um, retrograde um, from Saturn through Pluto. The planets spend quite a bit of their time retrograde. It's not a big shock. It's not a punishment. It's not a bad thing. We can't always be moving forward. And think about it. Pluto is forced evolution. And so if it was always going forward, do you know how uncomfortable life would be? That retrograde period is actually kind of going back over things and dusting stuff off and making sure, you know, it, you weren't just ripped open and bleeding out. <laughs> you know? So it's a chance to kind of go through and, and not a do over, so to speak, but just work with that energy a little bit more in a little diminished intensity. Um, so Pluto around the Midhaven is really understanding your power. Okay, speaking of power and dominion and control, I have Pluto in the 10th natally. And so um, authority figures have don't often like me. Um, I don't mean like police officers, things like that. Like, that's why I work for myself, guys. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a time where you have to understand power. And your career will definitely transform how you're viewed. Not not your career, but maybe your calling. You might be um, thrust into your calling. Because that's what the 10th house is. It's the avocation, not necessarily your vocation. It, it's not your career, your day job. It is where your reputation resides and how you how the world sees you, how you're recognized. And it's not a space you get to control too much of unless you have personal planets up there like your sun or your Mercury or your Venus, you know, your moon, those, those Mars, you know, you'll, you'll be a little more aware of that energy if you have, you know, those types of placements there. Um, but if you don't have anything in there natally, that Pluto transit really teaches you about how to wield power. People will listen to you and take you very seriously. And you'll be like, why, you know, why, why would people listen to me? Um, and other people may just take umbrage to, to you entirely, especially if they are like bosses that aren't ethical or bosses who aren't serving the highest good or a politician, you know, just, it's kind of cool. You won't have to say anything. You don't have to go at anybody. You can just be in the room. It's kind of like being an agent of karma without having to take any action. I like this about my personal placement. Like, I know if somebody is a bad leader, I don't have to do anything. I just have to be in the room and somehow the energy I carry within me helps in their undoing. It helps expose them. And I can... <laughs> yeah kind of fun once you realize that it's like an unconscious ability it's like a superpower so this this you, it's on loan to you if you're on your midhaven so if you don't like people on a school board you don't even have to give an impassioned speech it's just walk in the room walk in the room they'll be exposed have fun with it have fun with it if that's what's going on now, I'm not going to lie, Saturn transit can feel like forever, but it's it's really not that. It, it's not that slow a planet because Saturn is not an outer planet. It's a tertiary planet, whereas Pluto's a transpersonal planet. Remember, it's not really generational. 11 years in Sagittarius, the shortest and fastest part of the orbit of Pluto around the sun. 
and Pluto takes 40 years through Taurus, the longest transit. So, you know, there we go. So let's see. We've got time for another couple. Do, do, do. Let's see. Okay, so this question is from Lorena. Can you discuss having Venus retrograde in your natal chart? Um, Okay, and uh, let's see. Mine is in the second house of Aquarius, conjunct the sun, and I thought, how great. Then I realized that though rare, for about seven days it was retrograde when I was born. Um, Well, it, Venus can be retrograde. Venus is retrograde for a lot longer than a few days. Okay. It may not have been in Aquarius for longer than seven days, um, depending um, on when it retrograded. But Venus Venus spends quite a few months when it's retrograde. So, like, we have Venus um, retrograding in Leo this year. She enters Leo in June and gets all the way to 28 degrees of Leo and then retrogrades back and she'll be in, um, she'll be retrograde uh, where actually she'll be in Leo all summer and she goes direct. What day does she go direct? I'm just saying this and then I'll I'll talk about your natal placement. Give me a second. Um, because I think it's important to put it in context. It's it's rare, but not as rare as you think it is. Okay. So it's not like you're some alien creature that never has been or will be. Venus retrogrades kind of every other year. Okay. Venus retrogrades every other year. So we had Venus in Capricorn retrograde in 2021, right? Well, through 2022. And because it was in the winter time. And so, you know, about, it's a, it's a little, it's like 18 months, right? So, of course, I can't find it. Um, give me a second. I'm looking at when it's going to go direct because it's, it spends, you know, quite a bit of time. Um, helps if I type in the right year while I'm looking for my handy dandy calendar that I made myself so I don't have to search as long. No, I'm not going to share it because I need to fix so I got mistakes on it. So let's see. Venus enters Leo on the 5th of June. It retrogrades in July. Um, July 23rd. And it, it doesn't quite get to Virgo. And then um, it will go direct. in September yeah Venus goes direct on September 
um, 3rd of 2023. Um, so, it does not mean that you're not beautiful. It does not mean that you don't have value. It doesn't mean you don't have preferences. When any planet is retrograde, it does not mean it is bad or unfortunate. That is a very... Just a very bad way of looking at it. It's it, it's not... You know, it's such black and white thinking, don't you think? It's so binary. It's kind of... It's basic. It's so basic. Um... And I'm not saying you're basic. I'm just letting you know. All the astrologers who say it's bad, they're basic. Um, so what it does mean is it's a little more reflective. So you have to be, um, it doesn't mean that it's polarized to repel, but it means that like maybe it's acting a little bit more like a Leo Venus. You need a little more recognition to feel secure. You need more, um, maybe more words of affirmation. And whereas you might like tech and quirky things, you like them bedazzled, maybe. Um, you like you like a little more bling. It's in the second house. You like to be secure. You you and and you you do know what you're worth, you know. Um, but you're probably less collaborative than if Venus was direct. Okay, so, and that could be just because you had to be more self-reliant as a young person. So, um, those could all be ways it expresses without looking at the whole chart. Again, one placement, even knowing that, you know, your Venus is in Aquarius and it's retrograde and it's in the second house, that's, that's, and it's conjunct the sun. So yeah, I think you're very driven to support yourself and and you have to learn how to kind of let others into that space, but you're most comfortable when you are generating your own security. Okay. And and learning to self-soothe and yet still maybe needing again those words of affirmation or um the not the support of others, but the Atten- not even attention acknowledgement acknowledgement sword I'm looking for so that's that's probably what you were needing so I used your question to do a lot of astrological teaching there so thank you for asking it um let's see how long this recording is let's see do I have time for another question hmm. uh One more, one more, one more question. Let's see. I got to pull all the way up. You guys are good, have such smarticle particles. Um, trying to get to do, to do. Let's see. What have I got here? I think I answered that one before. Uh, I haven't deleted the questions because they're all good and I might recycle them. Remember, if you're a patron, you can um, ask your questions by submitting them through the Google form that is linked in the Crunch Report. 
Okay. Every, every resource you have from me, hundreds of dollars of worth, worth of learning material. Okay. Okay. I'm giving it to you because I appreciate you. Thank you for sponsoring me. Okay. Um, are physical ailments issues visible in the natal chart? Um, I answered that one before. Actually, you guys want to go listen like, I think two episodes ago. Um, I gave my thoughts on medical astrology. Um, see, I didn't prepare that one <laughs> maybe I should delete this okay oh this is a really good one this is by Alyssa and the question is what is the best way to manage fears and anxiety around transits as an anxious person I tend to always expect the worst so I've noticed that happening a lot the more I learn about astrology, how can we fight against gravitation towards negativity and see more positive things in the transits? Alyssa, that is a very good question and it's very appropriate for this episode. Um, one block popular astrologers on your social media, stop listening to them because they don't know what they're talking about. Um, they may speak like they know things, and they might be 50-50% accurate in their predictions. But go look through their predictions. How accurate are they? So here's one thing to know. On a mundane level, okay, on the day-to-day, there's no consciousness involved. And and you're not doing, I, I will guarantee you, most, most of you are not, at least those of you I've interacted with, um, and I'm not saying you're bad at astrology, but you're new to astrology. So first of all, you don't know enough to determine if something is good or bad. So that is something you can say about it to yourself. You can say, I don't know enough to, about this to worry. I do not have all the data to make an assessment that can scare me. That just be honest with yourself. Okay. Just be honest with yourself. The second thing is if you're looking at a situation that's bigger than you can manage, it's not my business. It's not my job. Not my job. It's not my job to fix the world. It's not my job. I cannot take care of the big stuff. I can take care of what's inside of me. Okay. And one of the biggest ways you can help in the world is to soothe the anxiety and the anxiousness. Okay. Anxiousness, if we're always looking on the negative side of things, is a form of self-oppression. And it's exhausting the adrenals. It's exhausting your mental faculties. It's exhausting your emotional faculties. And you you don't need an oppressor at this point because you're oppressing yourself. And I ain't judging you. I'm a cancer with a cancer mercury. I I was called Lori the Worry Wart. Lori Worry. Worry Lori. Worry Worry. All the time. 
In fact, my mom used to call me Eeyore when I was a little kid because I was a really smart kid. So here's the deal. People who tend to be anxious tend to be really, really smart because you can see all the potential ways things can go wrong. But what if it goes right? What if it goes right? Um, also, why do you think I became an astrologer once I realized I could look into the future? I don't like surprises. Like, my life had zero freaking stability to the point where I really hate being asked, like, what are you going to do in five years? I'm like, do you know how much shit can it go down in a five-year period? <laughs> I can't guarantee I'll be the same person next week as I am today. Um, so stop future casting. Stop future casting. Look day to day. Look at the moon. Just look at where the moon is at. Okay. And pay attention. In fact, I'm going to get the living by Luna kicking up again in Patreon. Um, and in fact, pay, living by Luna is a tier. Planet of the month is by a tier. They cost the same thing. I'm just kind of merging the information at this point. I'm going to just, you know, both groups have access to it because I seriously, seriously do not have the capacity to administer things like that. I'm, I'm chock-a-block booked. So, um, and I'm at that precarious space where, you know, I, I've grown, but I haven't grown enough to, to grow enough. Anyway, it's a thing. But anyway, um, one of the things I teach in Living by Luna is to observe the daily movements of the moon around your own chart. Get down to brass tacks. Stop looking at the big events. You can't do shit about them. I mean, so even like with the Trump thing. I mean, on one level, you know, on a conceptual, ethical level, great he's being arraigned at some point. <laughs> Not sure it's Tuesday. It could be. It could be. There could even be other charges filed. He could get another indictment later in the week. Um, who knows? But on a personal level, like... All these people who are like, I'm devastated. I'll be devastated if he doesn't get it. Why? Like, literally, why? Why? Because he said stupid shit. But really, did he say it to your face? If he said it to your face, cool. Be offended. I mean, I, I'm offended by, by his existence because he's gross. But at the same time, you know... He, he was a symptom to a problem that has existed for far longer than most people have been aware of, you know. And if you want to get to the root of the problem that put him in place, looking at your own daily life, gathering control of your responsiveness to life, Trusting yourself, learning to trust your intuition, not your gut instinct. If it's running on fear, if you're running on adrenaline, everything looks like a threat. And I have been there, my friend. But learning to guard your peace is essential. Guarding your peace is essential and you don't have to interfere with anybody else to keep yours. Fear, anger, 
bitterness, rage, they all serve a purpose. They all serve a purpose. They can help us stay safe when necessary. You know, if you see something coming at you that, that could hurt you, being able to run away is a good thing. Um, being angry is sometimes a great way to pull out of a depression, you know. Um, it's why people get annoyed with people who are pulling out of depression because they can be bitter or sound bitter or sound angry. But it's kind of rocket fuel to get you the hell out of apathy, which is the this gray powerlessness. Um, and if you've ever experienced it, you know it's a lot like in the never-ending story when there was the nothing that is debilitating so i'll take a little anger and rage over the nothing any day and yet it they can consume us much like fire all of us has that divine spark within and um and just like acid can corrode salt spray can corrode iron and cause it to rust and acid can eat away at things. Too much of anything can ignite or depress or consume or corrupt when it goes unchecked. So understanding that all of our emotions are part of life part of being in a human body, part of the human experience. And yet, you know, isn't it nice to have variety? Isn't it nice to be able to reframe things? Isn't it nice to be a solution seeker in a problem-oriented world? I'm going to leave you with that. Mercury moves into Taurus today time to find some comfortable solutions.